When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles. Brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Tom Page and Dustin Arbuckle of the band Haymakers joins me for this edition of Americana Music Profiles as we talk about their brand of Americana music, the origins of the band, and their new album, Live at Art Church. I am speaking today with Tom and Dustin from the Haymakers. Welcome, guys. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedules to chat with us. Tell me a little bit about the origins of your band. How long have you guys been together? Well, Tom and I started playing together around 2005. Uh, and, uh, you know, had really had known each other for a few years before that because we worked together on a couple of recording projects um, with, with my old band. And, um, you know, had an opportunity to put together a band to do kind of a country music gig uh, at a local festival we have here in Wichita uh, back in, in the summer of 2005. And, and we did that, and the, that band only lasted about one gig, but Tom and I, hmm. you know, felt like we had some good chemistry and enjoyed playing together, so we started working as a duo around kind of the Wichita area mostly, but did a, did a small amount of touring with that lineup. Um and then uh, you know, did that till about 2011. Yeah, and then kind of had a point where Stiller, when Dustin was on the road with his other deal, and uh, you know, whenever he would be back in town, we crank up to do that. So you guys had and, uh, had uh, si- multiple gig, multiple uh, configurations of of your music going on at the same time. It sounds like. Yes, and, and at that point, I had a thing called Tom Page Trio, and Dustin was in a band called Moreland and Arbuckle, mm-hmm, okay. and traveling a lot, and so yeah, and uh, oh, really, even today, we, we do that, um, it is, uh, I, I don't know how else to put it, but to keep the hustle up, in a, and when you're based in a place like Wichita, you you got to have irons in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it pretty spread out? Do you guys have to move around quite a bit to get to gigs? Yes. Yeah, I know. There's only so much we can do here in town. Uh-huh. We're about uh, 650,000 in the metropolis here. Okay. And so it's not really huge. And the state has about uh, 2.7 million people in it. Right. So really, you know, <clears throat> we're kind of 
going, do whatever. You got to go somewhere to get somewhere. Right. There's always going to be driving involved. So yeah, we're pretty we're pretty used to that. Yeah. And and so the haymakers came about uh, when you guys got back together then. Well, so yeah, after we've done the duo thing for a few years, we kind of hit the point where we felt like it was getting a little bit stale. We weren't growing with it as much as we wanted to, and we we hit a point where we wanted to try and do something different to to give ourselves the ability to do some more things and, and explore some more usable territory and um, you know allow you know each of us to be able to play up some musical strengths that we have a little bit more. And so we called um, a couple of friends of ours, uh, a fellow named Mark Foley, who's a great upright bass player uh, here in town. He's the professor of bass at Wichita State, oh, cool. uh, principal bassist of the Wichita Symphony. Um, and he another thing, friend named Dr. Farah. He does. He is actually Dr. Mark Foley, uh, doctor of bassology. Wow! Um, <laughs> what a title. That's uh, cool. <laughs> I think that's the title I give it. I think it's Doctor Base Performance or something. I forget exactly what it is, but I just say Doctor Baseology. Right, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then um, our friend Ted Farha, who had been a long time kind of local bluegrass scene guy on mandolin, and you know, always a, a fun dude to have in any jam equation. And uh, that's how Haymakers got started. Um, yeah, I feel like even we got to play some some trio shows with Ted. And yeah, we did. That it would work. We got the chop on things first, and then we're able to move into the bass, and and then you know gradually made up songs that fit the unit, and you know learned other material that fit the unit, and stretched out, and uh, um, you know you slowly grew the thing. You guys have got some fairly traditional. Uh, bluegrass if we'll say that instruments and then you you throw this harmonica in the mix and it really um uh-huh. gives it a very cool unique flavor was the sound uh did, did you guys set out with a particular um, s- sound or vibe in mind or is this just what you guys brought to the table and what showed up a little both i'd say i mean obviously dustin is a very talented harmonica player and um you know, that was obvious then as well. Um, and I, I come from a uh, campfire uh, oral tradition um, sort of folk music background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of um, what you cowboy music and that kind of business out here in the, in the plains. Um, and also a, a flat pick guitar background. And mm-hmm. So part of the secret of um, flat pick guitar is that um, you don't really hear it much with banjos. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear it much, right? If you think about your traditional bluegrass lineup, the guitar is basically mostly rhythm most of the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe they get one feature a set or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had learned uh, from Doc Watson and Norman Blake and those those types of uh, players that basically if you're going to focus or you're going to highlight your flat pick guitar, you can't be competing with these other loud instruments. Mm-hmm. So that's partly how we figured out the the kind of the, the formula of um, mandolin, uh, bass, guitar, and harmonica gives mm. everybody a lot of sonic room. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we like a lot of different roots music or folk music or whatever you want to call it. So I think we wanted a lineup that didn't necessarily tie us to being what you might think of as 
a you know a bluegrass band. We get labeled that a lot, but really, I mean, we just think of ourselves as a string band. We there's it, it's it's folk music. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stripes of that in what we do, and so I think that's also part of the beauty of of the lineup that we have is that it's it's relatively flexible to to be able to do a lot of different things um, and kind of fit into a lot of different genres in a way that I think sounds relatively authentic, but also is sort of our own vibe. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, another part of the growing up in the campfire culture, as it were, is that uh, um, I would never have called this a bluegrass band because the purists would have my career, <laughs> per se. Right. You know, right. It's like, well, there's there's a strict uh, formula that was created by this fellow in the 1930s, and if you're not following that, then it's not bluegrass. Band. Right, so yeah. From the get, it would be better not to go down that road. Yeah. You know, let's just make it our sound and um well again too i you know i think the places we found ourselves jamming early on at parties and at friends houses and stuff like that i think it also lent itself to the slightly more um i don't know i like to think we have a little more subdued but also warm sound Mm -hmm. but if you would i think that's a really good way to put it hang around the uh the more newer iteration of the IBMA, you guys would would fit right into the fringe bluegrass definition. I mean, it's uh, obviously not traditional, uh-huh. but y- y- there's a there's it, a, it has moved along. Huh? It has. There's a new uh, uh, there's a new feel, if you want to call it that, of of execution of bluegrass music, or that falls under the term bluegrass music that you guys fit uh-huh. into that um, new expression. Well, and I think the also um, is the fact that you know, Tom definitely came up in, in the culture of, of stuff that was probably a little more oriented toward you know, the flat, the, like you said, the flat pick guitar and the more kind of folky, you know, country bluegrassy sort of stuff. Although, I mean, he also played in a lot of rock bands and things like that. But I, I came up, as much as I, you know, I love bluegrass and country music, and, you know, all these different folk music styles, and as time has gone on, I've definitely grown more into into those styles, and, and a lot of that has come through playing with Tom, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's that been great, but I came up through the blues scene. I, I oh, grew cool. up, okay. you know, playing that, and that's the, the scene that I've toured on the most in, in my life. Like, you know, we talked about my former band, Moreland and Arbuckle. We, we, uh, we toured very heavily in the kind of, like, blues and roots rock scene, uh, for almost 15 years. Um, and so that's kind of the, the deepest part of my musical background. And so I think that's that's a thing, too, is it would, especially in our earlier days, would have been somewhat fraudulent for <laughs> me to try to, um, <laughs> you know, fill myself as a as, as something more like a, as a bluegrass guy or, or a country guy, as much as I, a big part of the reason that, I wanted to do this band was because I, I wanted to explore those forms mm-hmm. of music more. That's cool. But again, that's just all played into the, the whole thing. It's like, it, it's, it's just folk music. It's, it's just a variety of, of different stripes of American folk and roots music in this band. Right. Certainly too, you know, when we started, when you're getting me onto the wavelength here, Dustin, that, um, one of the things that brought us together was an interest in country blues and mm-hmm. and yeah. kind of origins of what are considered modern music, right? And so, sure, if you go back in time, basically the only thing in a lot of cases separating 
bluegrass music or mountain music from what was considered to be blues music was basically race based. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. segregation was the only thing that would help you tell them apart. Mm-hmm. We're seeing like the, hmm, try to think what the Harry Smith anthology, the famous um, uh, Library of Congress record, mm-hmm. American Exotica, was, was reputedly put out to help dispel these notions because when you listen to the thing, you can't really tell who's who. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly yeah, a lot of folk performers, right? We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the interview. Tell me a little bit about your original material. How do you guys get together on that? Who's who's your songwriter? How do those things evolve for you? We're trying to do it all together. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty collaborative effort, although I would say that especially with the original songs on this record, Tom has been the, the primary uh the primary songwriter on on most of most of the original songs on this this album, and, and really probably just more recently, most of the songs have been kind of flowing through through him, and then I sort of do what I do what I can to contribute maybe some extra storyboarding as we like to call it, or extra lyrical content. Mm-hmm. Um, but re- recently, definitely, the band Tom's been the primary songwriter. I'm, yeah, um, I'm a little more specific on the than some of the other guys in the band, but. What Dustin's saying is pretty accurate. I mean, I guess I, I look at it as phases, and so you know, if you have the song in its um, in its kind of kernel or its inceptive phase, that's great. But it still needs to be developed for the band, mm-hmm. and often during that process, you know, you're you're being given uh, arrangement ideas and production ideas, and sometimes really song structure ideas, and those deserve some credit. And uh, sure, and, and I think both of us have also approached the whole musical business mostly is a collaborative effort and so you know if you look at our stuff we often have other names on it and it's like well just you know i kind of look at it like the lennon mccartney sort of phenomena where it's like well hey that was a good turn of phrase or you know that we needed a chord for the bridge and then mm-hmm. you came up with it so there's your 10 percent right um and uh oh on this record um we also have uh really heavily featured um our friend ryan taylor uh, from Texas, and I'm not sure exactly how it worked out that way, but, you know, we recorded the thing live, and we picked out the strongest material, and it turned out that three of his songs were the strongest, you know, fit the category of strong material, and so um, so we've got a, a nice representation of Ryan as well, and so I guess to say we like writing songs, and we certainly enjoy our own material. On the other hand, we're very open to stuff that fits the band and fits our feelings. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, it it helps that we have some friends who are great songwriters who've been willing to either directly or indirectly contribute songs to the cause of years. Ryan, in particular, is a uh, a guy I've been friends with for about fifteen years now mm-hmm. or, or more, and is a great songwriter. Who, you know, uh, has had you know movies and like, has had songs in like Academy Award oh, cool. nominated okay. movies and things like that, but has been sending me tunes for forever we you know recorded i've recorded several of his songs over the years in in multiple different projects that i'm in and so you know we're we're lucky to have that it's it's nice to you know even if you're not recording a song that's yours you're still giving people something new and you're you're putting a friend's material out there mm-hmm. into the world and and you know we have another tune on the record that's by another old friend that tom used to play with mm-hmm. me steve barnes um a song called don't wait that's uh 
you know, it wasn't necessarily given to us so much, but one that, you know, Steve, we took and Tom had played together. And he, yeah, Steve and Tom had played together, and Steve just kind of stopped playing it and was happy to have us play it, too. So. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and, you know, something that as the band has developed, we've done a lot of what we call on-the-job training over the years. Right. And that song lent itself to that <laughs> and kind of evolved very well with the band, and I think that's part of how we kind of gauge the strength of different, you know, different directions and material that you could go mm-hmm. as well. I mean, if it's a thing where everybody's excited and every time we play it, it's, it's gaining in dimension, then great. And sometimes you just know right away that it's like, well, that's a beautiful song, but, you know, for somebody else. You, you mentioned a few right. minutes ago the, the new record, which is obviously one of the reasons we wanted to get together today. It's it's live at Art Church. I, I love the story about what you guys did to bring this about, m- going into this old church and and um, uh, capturing this live performance. Tell me about this record. Well, it, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because we, we sort of discovered our church by accident. Um, oh, yeah, we had a rain out. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, we um, you know, we've got a pretty cool group of friends, you know, that we've come to work with over the years uh, in this area of Southwest Iowa, and uh, have developed kind of a, a a pretty loyal little fan base in that area. And we we had been booked a couple of summers ago to play a summer concert series gig in Malvern, Iowa, and. It, our church was the rain location, and uh, hmm. ended up having to move in there. Ended up having to move in there, and uh, boy, the room was just just magical. Mm-hmm. You know, it it, uh, it had a and it has an amazing vibe. The the owner of the building is a fellow named Zach Jones, who's a great visual artist, great painter, and he had uh, covered he did an album for us, by the way. Yeah, did yeah he did the cover of oh, the album cool. for yeah, us. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a neat did, picture. Yeah, but inside the church, he's painted, and you can sort of see this on the back cover, like around the tops of the walls and across the entire ceiling, just this giant sky scene mural, um, which really contributes to the vibe of the of the room, but you know, it just and just gives it this almost sort of earthy psychedelic feel. Um, it harkens to me the old uh, folk coffee house. Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. and that—that's really. I got that right from the moment we walked in there, where it's like there were people bustling around and you know breaking out the folding chairs and heating up a pot of coffee and saying, "Hey, this is fine. We're you know we're going to sing away the rain." And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I really, I, I, I got that vibe right away, and it certainly was a turn on. So after we had our our kind of accidental show there, um, we decided that we really wanted to try to come back and do a show there on purpose. Um, so, um, you know, mm-hmm. talked, and it talked took a while, back, but it did happen. It did. And, uh, through the process of setting that up, we found out that there was this, this other local, um, locally based recording engineer, a guy named Kent Hertz, who, uh, had worked in Nashville and LA and had been a part of engineering some pretty big pop records and currently is, you know, employed by the Steve Miller band as their, like, live sound oh, cool. guy. And, yeah and recording engineer, and, uh, you know, that found out that we could work with him to, to do a live recording, you know, audio and video recording of the show, and we were like, well, okay, I mean, let's, if we know it's a beautiful sounding room, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, let's, yeah, let's take this opportunity, and if we end up getting, you know, a couple, a couple songs that we can put on, 
supplement a, a later studio record with, great. Or if we get enough to make an EP or a full record, great. Right. And I think it's time, too, we are desperate for video. You know, really need to be worried on material. <laughs> and so we're thinking, you know, this at the least, we could fill that gap a little. Yeah, sure. Wow. And so it all it all just came together. We ended up, um, you know, we should probably come back to the lineup of the band a little bit, because we talked earlier about Mark and Ted, who, who we started the band with, yes. but over the years, the lineup has evolved because of various availability issues. Obviously, we want to keep the band working. And so there were situations where, you know, Mark, because of his uh, obligations with the university and the studio, or, and the, uh, the symphony, was not able to go on the road with us. And so we, we started doing a fair amount of gigs with a guy, another guy here in town named Caleb Drummond, who uh, is extremely good. Really another fantastic, yeah, really talented, educated bass player. Um, it's been a wonderful gift for us to have uh, academic bass players who not only, uh, you know, satisfy the needs of the band, but have educated us a great deal on music theory. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. And um, Ted also has a day job here in town running a construction company, and so he's not able to go on the road very much. As he was having to, you know, occasionally miss gigs for other other obligations. He suggested that we, we bring in our friend Dennis Harden to cover some gigs on mandolin, and that ended up working out great. And over the years, kind of the full lineup of the band, when we play here locally, became a five-piece with uh, Ted playing regular mandolin and Dennis playing octave mandolin, and then oh, Peter cool. Mark or Caleb on bass. Yeah. And then right, Tom. You know, we don't do a lot of double... We don't do a lot of double double bass shows, and maybe we yeah. can do that. <laughs> We've only had a couple occasions where uh, where we get to do that. Um, so basically, the way we've looked at it is like we even describe it sometimes as a league of, uh, of players that basically, like Dustin was saying, we want to keep working, um, and uh, we're not in maybe perhaps the uh, deepest pool of musicians, but we've been lucky to uh, get with some of the right ones, and yeah. so. Uh, you know, basically, if there's a bass sub here and there, we've never had any complaints, and we just keep on, keep on putting it out there. That's awesome. And, and yeah. the album is and, out and, when? You know, as things the, the album came out May 21st. Okay, so it's just out. So I guess last Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, last Friday. And so, yeah, it, I guess you know, coming back to that, like as things evolved, the band, if we started touring more over the last couple of years, kind of the main touring lineup became. Myself, Tom, Dennis, and Caleb, and that's the lineup that you have on yeah. the album. Yeah, that's right. cool. We often call it the traveling haymakers, <laughs> the traveling haymakers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but really, depending on where you're at at any time, it could be a four or five piece okay. lineup. And it, I think most of the time, I think we do a pretty good job of keeping a consistent sound, even with that, just a little bit maybe bigger and grander when we have more guys. Yeah. Well, I I love what you did with it. It's uh it's really cool and the sound is really cool. Again, the album is live at Art Church. The band is Haymakers. If uh folks want to reach out and uh maybe try to figure out how they could catch you live or get a copy of the record, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, www.haymakers.com would be one I guess. Haymakers, sorry, it's Haymakers ICT dot com. So let me just say that again for you, Greg. So um com is our website and um, also we have the Facebook and Instagram uh, sites under the same name, Haymakers ICT. 
and uh, ICT is the airport code for Wichita. Ah, okay. All right. I was going to ask you that. Cool. And it face- always seems to confuse people a little bit. Yeah. And Facebook? I, we thought we were really hip, apparently, on that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Facebook is also Painmakers ICT and um, Instagram, same same handle. Uh, yeah, I, I, we were, I think, emulating the rappers a little bit. We have Painmakers 316 and Painmakers ICT, and it turns out neither of those is really meaningful to people outside of Wichita. Go figure. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. This has been really cool. I've enjoyed talking to you, and I, I wish you great success with the record. I think uh, people will really enjoy listening to it when they get a hold of a copy of it. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you, Craig. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.